ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Evening Jump. We ain't done this in two weeks. Can't think of nothing too exciting to tell you. Oh, I do have a little bit of news. We haven't put this all the way on the road yet, but I feel confident, you know, I can share this with you guys. Some of you may want to know sooner than later. Um, every now and then, I get a request from one of you wonderful people. And to be honest, it is normally not you guys. It is the uh, women that you date. These requests normally come through for dudes. Anyway, um, I have people ask me if I could do like a happy birthday shout out or something like that, whether it be on the podcast or TV or whatever it is. And these kind ladies always ask me if I can do it and they greatly appreciate it and so forth and so on. And I don't really never do it. And honestly, the reason I don't ever do it is all of a sudden, now you just like the birthday jukebox. You know what I mean? I don't know these people. I don't know these folks. You know, like I don't really have, like if you somebody I rock with, that's a different story. But I don't really got no knowledge of like who these other people are. So I don't really do it. But um, the good folks at Cameo reached out. And they said that they had gotten some requests um, for me to do some videos, like people, you know, saying they would like me to be a person that's on the list. And I mean, I don't know how many people that is, to be honest. It could be three, maybe four. I have no idea. But anyway, uh, we're going to set up a little outpost on Cameo for those of you um, who would like think it's cool if I told you happy birthday or uh, somebody else yeah so we're gonna do that um i see somebody in the chat room who hears me talking about that and they put a dollar sign over there and I'm like buddy it ain't that kind of money anyway uh i think it would be kind of ridiculous for me to charge people to say happy birthday like i do like that would make me just a little bit uncomfortable just kind of the idea so we are going to donate the proceeds um, from the Cameo stuff to the Mifon Foundation um, in North Carolina. It is an organization I've been working with for years. Um, and they provide assistance to the families of children um, who are receiving care at the at Wake Med Hospital, at Duke Hospital, and at the UNC Hospital in the Triangle in North Carolina. My good friend Joey Powell uh, runs the organization. And so if you do wind up wanting to do like a happy birthday sort of situation, again, I think it would be terribly unseemly if I were to do those things and then like pocket the money, right? Go buy some sneakers with it or whatever. I think that would be ridiculous. So I would like to take the proceeds that come from that and do something to help a cause. And I would like to think that that would perhaps be a greater motivating factor uh, for many of you to decide that you actually want me to make one of these videos for whoever your people happen to be. So, you know, do something for the world. I'll let you guys know, um, you know, when we actually get that up and going. I've been supposed to put a video up, give it to Lance for like weeks. <laughs> well, actually, it hasn't been weeks. It's been like four days. But either way, I've been supposed to do it. So at some point, I'm going to go ahead and come around on that. So, you know, there you go. Let you know about that one. Um, I just want to run this by you folks right fast as it has dawned on me. And I feel like it's a piece of information that, like, people need to know. Um, how many of y'all know when the time change comes? 
Like, y'all know that it's typically like one of the most miserable times of year is that day of the time change. And it's, you know, pitch black at four o'clock in the afternoon. Do any of you guys have any idea when the time change comes? And don't you be the jerk that goes and Googles it. All right. Yes, somebody's got it. It is November 1st. All right. So Halloween is on Saturday. And in that overnight period is when the time change happens. And you get that. The one bright side of it is, right? You do get that one night with that, like, extra hour of sleep. I actually think that they should probably try to find some way to engineer it and make it such that the time change happens going into Monday instead of going into Sunday so that you can make the most out of that extra hour of sleep. Anyway, so yeah, November 1 is going to be the first day. And two days later, it's the election. Now, I don't know who Laka Flocka is in the chat room, but I would encourage you to stop being a dumbass. And what I mean by, like, not being a dumbass is, he says that only happens in the spring. Um, in the spring, it springs forward. You lose the hour in the spring. Like, did you not realize we got the hour back? So anyway, yeah, um, we're going to get all that darkness and then we get the election like two days later. And I want to know what we did to deserve this. And I don't even know like who entirely falls under the heading of we when we talk about what we did to deserve this. I don't know who all we is. I just know it's me and some other people who did not deserve this. Some of y'all might. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know which of y'all deserves this. I think it's possible that some of y'all might be the ones. I myself am not a person who deserves this. I did not earn this. You know, maybe that's just me. I did not. I want to try to come up with some sort of exciting story or something that I picked up along the way in my travels or whatever it is to kind of hip you guys to game too. You know, I like to do that at the very beginning. No, not really. Although I guess I can tell you something funny. I got a phone call. Phone rang and it was like all zeros across and I'd be nervous about answering them kind of calls, but I went ahead and picked it up and it was my tailor, you know, when my tailor's in Hong Kong and it only comes over to the States a couple times a year, fits you up, you know what I'm saying? Get that stuff checked out, but I ain't got no need to see him. None whatsoever. He just called to make sure he make sure I know he still love me. And I'm like, that's cool. I guess at some point this will come up, but bro, I don't be leaving the house. You know, once we got on that quarantine living, we don't even really be getting, like, dressed right for most of the TV stuff. Maybe for some of it, but not for most of it. You know what I mean? That ain't, that ain't, that ain't what we really do. You know? We just here, man. We just here. But now, let me think. Anything happen? Anything that, like, hmm. Nah, man. I guess I'm doing the same life as everybody else. Anyway. Let us move on to your questions. As dope as it must be to get a shout out in a rap song to begin with, did the fact that the song also contained a Prince reference make it even better? Have we talked about this yet? I honestly don't remember as, you know, all these days and stuff be running together. Did we, did we talk about this? Uh, so, 
uh, when we were doing High Noon, one of the producers, uh, my man uh, Charles Obamco, right? Charles is, if I just turn 40, I want to say Charles is 28 or 29, somewhere in there. And like, Charles is the first person that I've encountered in my life, like willing to just explicitly call me old. I mean, I got to be real about it, right? You know, I was not his boss because that's not really how the hierarchies work on a TV show like that. But I do feel like I was a bit of an authority figure and that was kind of fucked up, like a little reckless, honestly, if we're going to be honest. Like maybe you think I'm just that cool, but I feel like you should be kind of watching your mouth about saying them kinds of things. But anyway, he's like the only person to explicitly just kind of like, you know, see me as being an old person. And I guess that I would kind of use him to keep me in touch um, with what the youth is up to. You know, just see what they got cracking. So anyway, he's all over the the Griselda cats. And I was a little slow to get to the Griselda thing, honestly, because just because I thought that, like, naming your record label in the 21st, in 2020, like, in this time, whenever they got it started, like, calling it Griselda Records. Like, I just, I just thought that was a little bit whack. Like, I've heard all you dope, all, all you kingpins and everything else, I've heard it all. Like, there was no way forward. So... It was like being the butcher and all them dudes. I was, I just didn't, I wasn't in a rush to get there. Like, it's kind of like I was with Freddie Gibbs, where I wasn't in a rush to get to Freddie early either. And there was just something initially that it kind of like made me be like, nah, that's just not what I want to do. And then I got around to the Griselda cats, and I got to say, man, them cats is dope. You know, and, and dope in a very particular way that like warms my heart. Like, I, I, I rock with what they do, I rock with the sound. These cats can rap, you know, like all of this. I'm, I'm, I'm with it. And it's a particular grimy sort of sound that at once is reminiscent of like mid 90s stuff that I really rock with, but it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like a duplication. It doesn't feel like Xerox, you know, it doesn't feel like they're stuck in a different time or era. Like I do feel like there's certain evolutions and advancements to like the form of rapping and everything else that they've got while also being able to tap into what was i think a very evocative feel of music you know and it's dark enough like i mean i I really rock with it i i i gotta say i'm with it so anyway now that i've set that part up um this was a couple of months ago i don't know when exactly it was but it was a couple of months ago and i was talking to my man mike smith and mike was like I got something to tell you. Like, you, you want me to tell you, do you want me to not tell you? Now, how the fuck am I going to say no at that point, right? He that dude. You want me to tell you or not tell you? Okay. And so he tells me that Black Thought had used my name in a verse. He had happened to talk to Thought about something completely different. And Thought was like, oh, yeah, man, I was just thinking about you. I just, I just dropped Bomani's name in a verse. And so Mike was like, do you want to know the line? I was like, no, I do not want to know the line. I was like, I want to hear it and be just as surprised as everybody else. Also fully recognizing the possibility that this would never see the light of day. Got it. Anyway, fast forward. That West Side Gun record comes out a couple weeks ago. And I guess on a Friday, 
I wake up on that Friday and my mentions are like, yo, you got a shout out on the West Side Gun. And I'm like, what? And I go put on the West Side Gun and it get to the Black Thought line. And it's at the beginning of the verse. And the line is dope. And it's thought. All right? Like, and it's thought. So for somebody like me with my inclinations and my track record and all of this stuff, I got I got dropped in a thought verse, and the verse is dope, and the line is dope, and the song is dope, and, and, not that them Griselda dudes are the youngest cats in the world, I looked them up, but in a place where Charles Abanqua would have to give my old ass a little bit of credit. I mean, that was just an all-around win for me. I ain't even get around to anything about a Prince reference or anything else. I, I just be I was just playing that part over and over again. I don't know nothing West Side Gun said on that song. No disrespect to him. That's my song. That shit about me. Like in fact, I need to get that on vinyl and I'll I'll get up in here and I'll learn how to scratch because all I'm gonna be doing is sitting at the crib being like highly questionable like Bomani Jones. Whoop! Highly questionable like Bomani. I'd be pulling that thing back over and over and over and over and over again. Ain't been a moment yet that I've got tired of hearing my name on that joint. Not yet. Not once. Not never. Not never at all. Shit. Wish somebody else would do that. Appreciate the question. See what else you got here. So let me tell you guys something right fast. I don't really know necessarily how I'm about to handle this in this moment, right? So some dude named Miles is in the chat room, and he said that he hoped his stupid ass didn't get thrown out. He said that, not me. He referred to his own stupid ass. I did not make reference to his stupid ass. I don't even really know who he is, right? I was like, oh, wow, Miles. I mean, I don't know what you plan on doing. Anyway... I'm going through the questions, and I see here, Bo, you've mentioned Dre as being a whack rapper. Does the recent news surrounding Cube change your views of NWA as a group? And I look at that question, and I have to say, Miles, I applaud your self-awareness, because, wow, that's a stupid question. I, I 100% understand why it is that you feared that you might get put out the room for being stupid or for saying something stupid. It's not going to happen right now just so you feel safe. Like, I'm not going to put you out in this moment. But I do want you to understand that was a stupid question. Like, in fact, let me ask you, this is a serious question to Miles. In the way that, and I'm, I'm going to go back and get to this question again just so you see how it was phrased. And some of y'all will understand exactly where I'm coming from. Bo, you've mentioned Dre as being a whack rapper. Does the recent news surrounding Cube change your views of N.W.A. as a group? Did you go to Morehouse? Like, for real, did you go to Morehouse? Because that's a classic Morehouse. If you know some dudes that went to Morehouse, you know exactly what I'm talking about right now. And them motherfuckers can't never just ask a question. The question always got to be set up with some sentence in the front 
and a sentence in the front is like normally some, you know, this reminds me of a book I was reading by Aristotle. It might not have nothing to do with no book that you was reading by Aristotle, but they always going to set it up with something in the front to try to make it seem more fancy and then come behind it with some question on the back end. Like, there's some of y'all that's listening to this right now, and there's some of y'all that's in this chat room right now that know exactly what I'm talking about. Just by the way, white folks, um, don't worry. It's okay if you don't know what this is. You ain't even got to pretend. Just want to make sure you know right now. This ain't this ain't really about you right now. It's not. And maybe you'll find out one day that there is some black dude at the office who does that, and then you'll see a Morehouse thing on the desk, and then maybe you'll get it. You know what I'm saying? Like this cat right here said, that's disrespectful of my alma mater. That ain't no disrespect to y'all alma mater. That's how y'all get down. That's what they be telling y'all to do. Am I wrong? This is Jamel. Sounds like you understand what I'm talking about here. Uh, John Devin, it sounds like you. You know exactly what I mean. Who else? Who else? Come on, Morehouse men. Y'all be in here. I've been clowning y'all for decades. Y'all still around. Go ahead and acknowledge. I ain't lying about this. Lamar. Is Lamar here? So, yeah. Like I was saying. That was a stupid question. Now, let's go find a question that I will actually answer. Did Ice Cube fuck up his post-rap legacy with this Trump campaign meetup to discuss his contract for black America? You see how easy this was, Miles? All you had to do was ask the question. You didn't need to show me, you know, I've heard you talk before. All you had to do was ask the question. Anyway, does this mess up his post-rap legacy? Yeah, I guess so. Like, this ain't really the sort of thing that people are going to be that inclined to let him slide for it. But I was saying this on Twitter, and I'll say this again now, right? I don't feel like Cube sending his little contract with Black America to Trump or anything that he's been doing in public for the last six months. I don't feel like it is a deviation from what he was doing when he got famous. That's the thing that gets me about this. It's the same thing that happened with Jim Brown. Where they're like, yo, what in the world happened to Jim Brown? And then you go back and realize, no, Jim Brown has been remarkably consistent. Like the way that he got down with Trump and all that stuff, nope, that's that's right in line with what Jim Brown has been about. This stuff that we're dealing with now with Cube, this is in line with what Cube has been about. Like this isn't some new person that got brought out here. Now, this is the thing I do think is worth noting um, with Cube, and I think this is where people often... One, I don't think that Cube's politics and political sensibilities have evolved very much since 1991. And if we're being honest, his politics and political sensibilities in 1991 were a bit problematic. Like, what you dug about Cube and the political slant to his music was probably the passion and the feeling to it not like it, it didn't like it only stood up to bust so much intellectual scrutiny. Like the dude's not a political philosopher. He was in his early 20s and mad as hell in L.A. You know, like, OK, I mean, I'm willing to give him some room to get some of those things wrong in that place. 
But then he, we, we looked up and he was sending out like the anti-Semitic memes and stuff like that. And you're like, no, he just has the same sensibilities that he had 30 years ago. I don't even know where exactly it would be to cube but get his sensibilities challenged in that way. But he's got the same sensibilities that he had 30 years ago. And a lot of that stuff is like wild messed up. It made for some great music. Like those are two separate discussions. But some of that stuff is messed up. And so, like, the anti-Semitism that he's putting on the internet now is the same anti-Semitism he was putting on record in 1991. You know, like, the idea of Cube is being kind of anti-immigrant. I understand the con- like, there's a lot more context to it, but he is the man who did the song Black Korea. Now, I understand the idea of the concept of the field, like, with Black Korea is just the idea that, like, again not owning your own neighborhood being occupied by folks that's coming in to look down on you. But are you surprised to see that that, you know, in some way might color the way he views a bunch of other stuff. Like, I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked, but I also know this. And I don't think this is a defense of him, but I do think we need to be real about this. If you call yourself having a contract with black America, if you call yourself having this, and the president says that he wants to talk about it, then you kind of go talk to him about it. Like whether or not you like him, if you legitimately believe that you have a plan that is going to make things better for black people, and somebody says, I have the power to institute some of this, and I am willing to listen to you, and is the president of the United States, then you go talk to him. Like, that's that. I understand the idea of generally just being like, yo, I don't rock with Trump. We're not going to rock with Trump under no circumstances. Am I going to deal with Trump? But if you actually and legitimately believe that you have a plan that can work, what are you going to say if Trump wins? All right, well, I'll just talk to the president in four more years. No, that's not what you're going to do. Now, is like Cube going to get played by this? I think the only way that Cube actually gets played in this is in the fact that the people who really rock with him ain't trying to hear this shit. Like, Trump can't use him. What can Trump use Cube for? Like, I mean, how many people in this world do you think are going to see that Trump did something with Ice Cube and be like, all right, that settles it. I'm voting for Trump. Like, I don't know those people. I'm not saying those people don't exist. I'm just telling you, I personally don't know who those people are. You know, I think it is entirely possible if we're being fair and trying to look at this with some level of objectivity. I think it is entirely possible that this man really thinks that his plan can be good. And if he thinks his plan can be good and somebody's got a chance to put some of it in motion, then he's going to talk to him. Now, I know that's cutting a measure of slack that the dude may not deserve, but just put it in hypothetical terms. And I think that what I just said there is fairly um, undeniable. Now, the, the issue that you wind up with with dudes like Cube is you, you, a lot of people just kind of wonder if they was just looking for an excuse to vote for Trump anyway, which, again, I suppose is 100% possible, right? Maybe it is. I have a bigger problem with the fact that Trump's people is calling this the platinum plan. People ain't even out here wearing platinum no more. Like, it don't carry that same that same weight when it rang out like that anymore. We kind of moved on. Like, you know, that's not really what we do. It's the platinum plan. Like, how little... Y'all just don't... What are you doing? Like, it's not... It's, that, that, that's where they got me. That's where they got me. But I think something that people need to understand about cats like Cube, and this is something that I'm gleaning, and I could be wrong, right? Because one thing I think that... 
One thing that causes some frustration and some discussions about the politics and everything else among black people is there are there is a group of people who believes that there is no fundamental difference between the two parties. And I do think that there are fundamental differences between the two parties, but I also think there are fundamental similarities between the two parties that make it such that I can understand why somebody would say such a thing, right? There are limitations to that perspective, but I understand why somebody might say such a thing. But a cat like Q, the biggest reason that somebody like him would be inclined to say such a thing is because they think, like, I feel like a cat like you is looking at it as though he ain't like, you know, some of these white folks ain't shit. No, he's like, yo, white folks ain't shit. Like he's cats like that tend to believe or think so little of white people that they not bothering differentiating between the two left side, right side don't matter. Still white folks and you can't trust. Like my read is that he's one of those dudes. I could be wrong, right? But and if you know any of those dudes, then you understand how it is that they get to this place where they see the representatives of the two parties as being interchangeable because in the end, they see it as their white folks are still going to wind up being in charge. So what's the point? Now go back and listen to like 1991 or 1992Q. I mean, that perspective is in there. It's clear. Like, I will t- like, go listen to Death Certificate or America's Most Wanted and think about all the stuff that's happened here. Like, I said this on the tweets today, um, and I think it was a fairly worthwhile point, though, like, not the deepest thing I ever said. But, uh, oh, it's the wrong column. But somebody was in my mentions, and was, or somebody gave me my mentions and said, oh, no, I took it from somebody else, went in the mentions. They said, Ice Cube spent months attacking Jews, other people of color and claiming Democrats were nothing more than Republicans. Then we learned today he's being paid by Donald Trump. And I'm like, it is what I said. I was like, so it's kind of like no Vaseline. Like all the things that she talks about, that the person talks about right there, you can find a line in no Vaseline that's in line with that. And so people are throwing out that I would never meet with the president. The next time I see you, I would be hesitant line, right? Hey, man, of course he said he would never meet with the president where he was never going to get invited to meet with the president and a significant difference that should be noted between him talking to Trump and easy meeting with the president is that easy met with the president when he was out kicking it with Jerry Heller. Like Cube went in there to do something for black folks. Easy, he just showed up because his, his, his dude was there. Like, that's that. I don't think Cube's getting paid by Trump, though, right? I think that's a stretch. But not. he's the dude that he's been. What you're going to find is if you go back and listen to a lot of that 90s rap, you, you're not going to agree with them dudes as much as you thought that you agreed with them. Like, the ones with their particular political slant, the sensibilities of that time, and the eras that they are most influenced by in terms of radical and revolutionary spirit, you're not going to rock with it all. Like, that's just for you to know. You're not. And Cube just kind of did that, and people didn't see it coming. But, nah, like like I said with Jim Brown, I think it's the same dude. I think it's the same dude. I said this about Kanye, too. Like, think about Kanye is, everybody loved Kanye in 2004, and in 2016, everybody was wondering what was wrong. But if you go back and listen to College Dropout and then listen to um, uh, Legend of Pablo, 
The difference is his circumstances. The person is the same. All right, appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Ah, some guy named Michael said, can you stop that annoying ass thing you do on your other podcast where you play the elevator music for 30 seconds, wasting our time while you tell someone's story? It's seriously gratuitous and dumb. A, get Michael out of here. B, kiss my ass. You clearly don't mind it that much because you keep on listening to the podcast. Was it surprising how many black folks chimed in when Eddie passed last week? So many closet Van Halen fans of a certain age. What makes you think they're closet? You just didn't know. No, it's not surprising. You know why? Because in 1984, Van Halen was all over MTV. I think it is possible that there's a particular generation of y'all that don't really have a grasp on an era where we just didn't have that many channels and you couldn't just like section yourself off into whatever your little taste happened to be. Um, But I mean, Van Halen 1984, it was one of the biggest records in the world and it was all over MTV. So what are we talking about? Jump hot for teacher at Panama. Right? Like, yo, those songs were everywhere. In fact, you can go check the clip. Um, what year was it? I think it was like 96 or 97. I'm not sure which. When Van Halen showed up at the MTV uh, Video Music Awards. And they showed up with, Dave, with David Lee Roth. First time they'd been on stage together in over a decade. And we thought that they were getting it back together. And, of course, they ultimately did not, and it would have been weird if they had at that time because I just can't imagine David Lee Roth making music in the late 90s. But I remember they showed clips of the crowd, and nobody was more excited than Chris Rock. Like, nobody was. It was ecstatic. They were big. So, no, I am not surprised by that. If you grew up in the era of MTV when MTV played videos, no matter what race you are, you're probably going to have an affection for the artist that spent the most time getting their videos played on MTV. Saw somebody else that come in the chat and they asked, you know, it's one of these questions here talking about what made Eddie Van Halen a great guitar player. Listen to Eddie Van Halen play guitar. Like, I don't really feel like that's one of those things that you need to explain to you. Like, if I have to talk this out for you, then you just, what are you doing, right? <laughs> just go listen to it. The point that I make is that I do not enjoy Eddie Van Halen solos. Like, I do think that they are in large part stupid guitar tricks. But it's understandable that he would, like, indulge in stupid guitar tricks in that way when you realize he's an autodidact. Like, he taught himself how to do all these things. So he's finding out stuff that nobody had ever considered, you know? So, like, the technique and all of those things, I'm not the person to talk about that. I listen to music. I don't play it. So I only care so much about the technique and everything else, right? That's just where I am on it. But um, in terms of sound, like, I've been going through listening to Fair Warning a good bit um, in the last few days. To me, again, it is just how, like, muscular and strong and err the riffs and the grooves are with him. The solo and stuff is secondary. I think it's close to me who made the point. Eddie Van Halen is probably the best rhythm guitar player ever. And that's where it gets lost with him, is that people get a little too lost and try to play Eruption. Like, Eruption does nothing for me. I think the thing about Eruption is 
if you heard eruption in real time, like as it came out, you had never heard anything like eruption before. Um, and I want to say eruption came out in what, 1977 or 1978. So by the time I pay attention to these things, there's nothing like new to me about hearing somebody play something like eruption. In fact, I probably heard a million people play eruption and just didn't know that's what it was. And so it's one of those, I, I feel like eruption has a certain had to be there element to it, especially if you're somebody like me who finds that realm of soloing and the likes to be just kind of gratuitous. But like in terms of talking about Eddie as an autodidact, again, he taught himself how to play all these things. How you feel about the album 1984 really has a lot to do with how you feel about, you know, the adding the synths to their music. But not enough is made of the fact that, yo, like on Jump, he is killing those keyboards. He's really, 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 really good. He is a full-on musical genius. There ain't no way around that. Previous, appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. Miles, you got one more stupid question to put in here before I put you out. Are people missing the point with their anger at Cube? Seems like we should be mad that working with Trump only produced the platinum plan and, and not just that he worked with Trump. I think that people are mad generally and whatever they can find on social media for everybody to be mad at, they do it together. So I had this observation about social media the other day. I should probably write this down and keep it as my own. If I catch you stealing, it's going to be a problem. I caught somebody plagiarized one of my Twitter threads last week, right? So anyway... On social media, and this is all of us, okay? All of us. Every tweet you send is doing one of two things. Either you are there to inform or to perform. It's one of two things. But one thing you can't never tell me that you are on the internet to do is just vent. Because you don't have to do that in front of people. In fact, most of us, when we choose to vent, intentionally do it when people aren't there. If you do it on the internet, it's because you want to be heard. You want people to hear whatever it is that you are saying. People are there to inform, to share information, or to share themselves in some way that is intended to elicit some sort of response. A lot of it is, okay, we're all telling this joke. And so everybody wants to get in on the joke. And one thing that Twitter allows you to do is, you know how it is that you could be in a room full of people, like especially having in high school, and everybody joking on something, to be like four or five people, and the first dude say something, oh, man, that's funny. And the next person, oh, that's funny. The third, and then the fourth dude would be like, yeah. And then I said, ha, ha, ha. And then ain't nobody laughing no more. You know what I mean? Like, you know the situation I'm talking about? Twitter allows you to be that last person without messing up the rhythm, without anybody laughing at you. Nobody's got time to clown you at that point. So everybody can get in on it. And see, not everybody's funny. And so if you're not funny, what are you going to lean in on? You're just going to be mean. Whatever the topic, regardless of whether it's justified or whatever it is, your next move is going to be just being mean. And so that's just what happens with a bunch of these topics. Everybody knows everything, right? The people who don't know are ignorant or it's their fault that they don't know or they haven't caught up or whatever it is. 
But one thing Twitter has done, and people say Twitter like will mess up, yeah, your favorites will mess themselves up in your eyes on Twitter. And that is true. And that is generally the fault of the receiver. It is the fault of the person who took whoever this other person was and elevated them in such a degree such that they say one or two things that are wrong and now suddenly you're done with them and you can't believe it. That is your own dumbass fault. That is entirely on you for falling into something silly and making yourself believe that you knew somebody in a way that you did not. Like, on one hand, people really value social media because it, like, shortens the distance in a lot of ways between you and celebrities. And, you know, you get to know them in a different way. And then you get mad because you don't like the person that you get to know, which is something that you wanted access to. And that's how it goes. Every single person with any measure of visibility, you just counting down to the cancellation, or what they call the cancellation. Nobody really gets canceled, obviously. But you just count down until everybody turns on you. That's it. Why? Because they ain't like something you said. And then once one person says they ain't like what you said, and if it gets enough momentum, everybody got to get in on it. It becomes a contest, right? Because this is the thing that everybody is doing and everybody's talking about. And if you look and check the timeline on a daily basis, the thing that everybody's talking about, generally speaking, is something that somebody else did wrong. That is the thing that everybody can participate in. Somebody else did something wrong, right? It tur- it's basically high school. Who we picking on today, you know? Like, you know how you can have it, like it's high school and early college where you got a crew of people and there's one person who's in the crew just so everybody else in the crew can pick on them. Sometimes to their face, sometimes they not. And it becomes a whole new person that's in the crew and everybody just come and bang on them. That's all it is. Like, that's, that's, that's where all of these things come from. This is where they all go to. Is It just becomes a pile on and we're all doing the same thing. Because here's the thing about it, right? You jump on the internet and you see everybody else piling on to one person. What you going to do, defend them? Why, so they, can, so they can come bring it to you now? Who going to do that? None of want to do that. No, it's not what it's going to be, right? And so, like, I think this happened a couple weeks ago. I can't remember exactly when. But Dak Prescott has said something about his mental health during COVID. He lost his brother during that time. His brother died by suicide, you know, all of that stuff. And Skip Bayless got on TV and said that he thought that Dak should not have shared that. He was like, if he needs help, he should get help, but he shouldn't have shared that. This is a cold, cruel game that he's playing, and he probably would have been better off if he had kept that to himself. You know? And, of course, everybody brought it to Skip because obviously that's the wrong answer, right? It's 2020. You should share these things. You should not have any reservation about saying that you have problems. And of course you have people going, it's very dangerous for him to say this thing and for people to hear it and all of the, you know, and everybody got on him and Skip was obviously wrong. Um, and, but I got on Twitter and I was just like, I actually think the most tragic thing about it is that like, if you know anything about Skip's background, man, he ain't grow up in a way that I would want to. Um, and I said, I was like, look, man, the most tragic thing about what Skip just said is that when he was young, 
it probably would have done him a whole lot of good to hear that the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys struggles sometimes too and doesn't always know what to do. You know? But instead, he grew up in a time where they just told you to put your head down and keep going. And that's exactly what Skip has done. And it's gotten him to incredible heights in his career. He's made all this money, all these other things, right? And he's like, yo, you just put your head down and go. Like, that's what he believes. That's how he was raised. That's what's worked for him. You put your head down and you go, right? And, of course, there are problems associated with having such an outlook. But it was everybody. And they all of a sudden, everybody's a, a, a mental health champion. Like, I got no idea how it is that everybody got all these problems expressing themselves and being willing to express themselves but let the world tell it every single one of them is comfortable and ready to be your your the, the shoulder to lean on in here right but anyway i was just like no i do think it's tragic i do think the skip skip comports himself like a man that's carrying a certain measure of pain that he doesn't know what to do with and he might have been better off if somebody like that Dak prescott had been around to encourage him to spit it out but in the end in that clip as i watched it i felt i saw a man in pain you know, like I didn't think he was coming from a malicious place in any sort of way. I think that he was sharing basically what his survival mechanisms have been. And maybe they are unhealthy, but he is not a bad person for approaching it um, in such a way. And next thing I know, I got people coming at me. Now is not the time to defend him. I'm not even defending the dude. I'm just telling you what I observed. Like, I don't even know who, I was talking to somebody about this. I don't think I did this on air anywhere. But this is my thing about, like, the pile on when it happens on the internet. I might start to pile on, but I ain't going to be the second person. I don't need everybody else doing this for me to feel right to jump in on the cause. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not doing that. Like, I I might be first, okay, but I'm not just getting here because everybody else did. And so once everybody else is here, I'm more inclined to look at this in a different way. But I didn't defend him. I'm just telling you, that's a dude in pain, and he is behaving as a person in pain in the same way that I think that a lot of the people that were piling onto him on the internet were people in pain, people who have felt that they have had pain and they have felt that others have silenced them. And this is them pushing back at those people. They are carrying their same pain and expressing it in such a way, and they're directing their frustration towards Skip because Skip has said the wrong answer. And then once he has said the wrong answer, when everybody knows what the right answer is, now everybody can get in and pile on together. And now you mad at me because I'm not mad. How the hell am I going to be mad at Skip Bayless? I have engineered... Personally, I have engineered my life around not being mad at no shit like Skip. Like, you might want to work on that yourself, to be perfectly honest. Like, if you're getting in a place where anything Skip Bayless says actually makes you mad, you need to, you need to think about some stuff. Like, I'm not, getting, I'm not getting mad at the things. Now, Skip's not a stranger to me, but I'm not getting mad at these things that strangers say. Like, it's not like the one person saying this messed up thing that I've heard people say over and over again at different points in my life. I'm not getting mad about that. I'm not going to spend a whole day participating with other people and chastising that person, even though nobody's actually really saying it to that person. Everybody's just telling each other, he was messed up for that. But I know the right answer. No, I'm not doing that. Like, to me, that is unhealthy. To me, that does not do anything good um, for anybody. But I think there is where this gets into a realm of performance. You either you either are on these tools to inform or to perform. Like I know when I'm performing, and I know when I'm informing. Now it's worth noting 
My job is to do some combination of the two, you know? So that's what I'm, that's, that's, that's what it's going to be when I'm there. But you need to, I think it's something worthy of people to consider and just for themselves. Like I don't say this to chastise you or act like I'm better than anybody or anything, but I just think it's something to consider. What you're doing on social media, generally speaking, is either to inform or to perform. It's one of the two. And when you're not informing, I think it's worth considering. Um, like, why exactly are you performing? Like, what is the performance? I think that's something to think about. I don't even know if there was a question off of that. But anyway, let me see what else we got here. The dude says, just saw the Hank Willis Thomas exhibit at my local art museum. In what ways has that exhibit influenced you? I ain't never seen that exhibit. I got an event I'm doing with Hank later, and they use one of his pieces in the Vanity Fair joint. But, whoa, you think I'm way classier than I am. I don't be knowing nothing about no art. You worry about your news slash culture being stuck in an echo chamber. How to include alternative perspectives without being unnecessarily antagonized. What do, what do you mean by alternative perspectives? Like, what, like, when I read something like that, I'm trying to figure out what it is that I supposedly need to include to prevent this from being an echo chamber. Now, one thing for me is, at this point in my life at least, I don't read that much opinion stuff from, like, other people. I just don't. Um, like, I don't have a lot of opinion writers right now that I'm into. Like, I was thinking about this the other day. I had to do an AMA about this sort of thing. I don't have that many opinion guys that I'm into. Um, the, the difficult part for me, and I think for anybody else in this day and age, is just simply acquiring facts. Like, I'm worried about not getting the necessary facts. That's more important to me. But the danger right now about perspective, like you talk about echo chamber, whatever it is, the thing about perspective at this point is, like, the distribution of opinions is now bimodal in such a way where I think it used to be kind of a normal distribution, like a bell curve, and now it's more of a bimodal situation where you got, like, a midpoint to the left side and a midpoint to the right side where the majority of opinions lie. And then like really no space in the middle. I don't know how much room there is right now in like the reading space or the opinion space to get something that is outside of your worldview, but not so far away that you can actually kind of listen to it and entertain it. So I don't have an answer for you on that, to be perfectly honest. Like, I don't want to read thing, only things that I agree with. Um, but I find that a lot of the things that I read that I don't agree with are just honestly built on a foundation of bullshit. And I don't feel any inclination to take in any more bullshit than necessary. Appreciate the question. I'll give you another story. Somebody hit this one. What are your thoughts on NRG Stadium being the only ballot drop-off location in Houston? What the fuck do you want me to think about that? What am I supposed to think? 
Like, I'm just curious. Like, when your lazy ass says thoughts, I allow you to come up here and ask me a question. Why not actually ask a question? What do I think about that? Wow. That's a lot of people for one box. What do you want? And I accidentally put it on the screen. I just want to say no. All right, see if we got one more question that I'm willing to entertain before it's time to get up out of here. Here we go. Surprised that Bill Burr attacked white women like that. What what attack did he make on white women? What was you think that was an attack? Like maybe attack means something different. Uh, where you from? That wasn't an attack. It was a joke. <laughs> that was not an attack. Man, the white women in the house didn't know what to do in there. Didn't know what to do. Had no idea what to do there. And I tell you this, I would love to know how long Bill Burr been married. I want to know what his opinions of white women were when he married that black woman and how they evolved over time. Because I'll tell you this right now. I am pretty sure that if you are a white man, who is married to a black woman, if you are going to hear anything that you had not heard before you were with a black woman, it is going to be an interpretation of the American white woman that you yourself had never considered. And if I had to guess, a man like Bill Burr learned many of these lessons the hard way. Not thinking nothing of it, putting his cape on for some white woman, Perhaps that white woman at your wife's job thinking that you just being fair, but that's not the way that it was taken. And then suddenly you learned an alternative perspective and you were like, oh, damn, yeah, I guess white women be tripping sometimes. That's how I imagine that went. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, Thanks for joining us here on the Evening Jones. We try to do this thing about once a week. My man Lance Gilliam handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Remember, if you cannot watch the Evening Jones live, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the iTunes store. Subscribe at Stitcher Radio. Check us out at SoundCloud. We are also at the Google Play Store. All right. Talk to you guys next time. Take it easy.